Okay, last Sunday we had the first of two Sundays reviewing our year from the point of view of the story that we feel as elders that God's been weaving amongst us. We started with Jeanette reminding us that in putting on the armour of God, we're putting on his character in readiness for our walk with him in preparation for the battles that we'll run into along the journey. We did the visual analogy with um, Sarah preparing to paint but not being able to do so effectively because she was ill-equipped. She had to take off the wrong painting garments and put on the right ones. And so it is with us. We must lay down the old life and put on the things of the spirit, the effective. Next, Jesse spoke about the next stage of moving from being equipped uh, to go out to battle. In order to do that, we need to be trained to live and to fight strategically. And this is the process of us becoming disciples. For each of us, that's a slightly different battle according to the gifts that we've been given. But our training is crucial. We must become disciplined followers, active learners. And, of course, our training manual is the Bible, just as we gave Sarah a manual on how to paint, although you probably haven't referred to a manual for quite some time, I imagine, Sarah. But, yeah. And Sarah will be continuing today as we continue the story. We have been equipped, equipped. We have been trained. We continue to be trained but we are ready to move on to on in the next stage of our becoming disciples, going out, engaging in our journey, and with it, the battle that we are armed for. Um, and Trevor's going to bring the next part, followed by Bruce Billington, who will speak on who we are on God as we go out. So Trevor, please. Right, I want to pick up just on, um, reflect a little bit this morning on that verse 15 of chapter 6 where, of Ephesians, where it talks about the armour when Jesse brought and Bruce brought that message to us a few months ago. But verse 15 says, Wear shoes that are able to speed you on as you share the good news of peace with God. And when Paul was writing to the Ephesians, he, the Ephesians were, were, were really familiar with the, the soldier's attire, the Roman soldier. And, of course, their, their footwear was very important to them because the Romans, were, the Romans as an empire, as an army, were able to conquer land quickly, take territory quickly because of the, the good footwear that they wore. They, they were very effective in covering land quickly, covering territory quickly because of the, the good shoes. And that was well-known in historical times. And so the people of Ephesus were familiar with the words of Paul when he said, wear shoes that are able to speed you on, speed you on as you share the good news of peace with God. So we're going to be looking at shoes this morning, the shoes that speed us on, the shoes that take us somewhere. And we all wear shoes, don't we? And as we remember from the uh, analogy of Ephesians 6, where we had the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of and the, and the belt and the other parts of the attire of the of the soldier, we some of those are metaphors, but we're not familiar with them. I mean, how many of us put on a breastplate this morning? No, not many. How many of you? You did. Okay, very good. How many of you have got a sword by your side? Okay, not physically, but they're metaphors. But we all put on shoes this morning. Correct. We are all wearing shoes, different shoes, but we are wearing shoes. Now on that. 
painting over there on that, that end, there's, there's a, about four years ago, I think it was, we did a painting of nine people who were quite creative here at CFUH, each did a painting of their different shoes. The shoes that, that would express what they felt comfortable in and how they lived and expressed their faith in their life. And we've got a, as kind of a, there's a pair of kind of leather thongs there, there's some cowboy boots, there's some old work boots, there's a, ba- a pair of ballet shoes, there's some sneakers, some trainers there. And so different shoes, we all wear shoes. Some very nice paintings over there. So that's just, if, you, if you're new here, that's kind of the story behind um, that painting. Now, speaking of painting, we're going to have Sarah come up now. So let's give Sarah a big hand. She's Sarah's world famous in Pinehaven, and Sarah's going to paint for us. As Bruce said before, last week she used um, implements that were not really suitable for what she was creating, but this week she's going to be doing something that's that's really creative and using the right implements, and we're going to see that later on. We'll get back to Sarah soon. But in the meantime, I'd like you to come with me to a strange place. Just imagine for a moment that there's an encounter group where different shoes are talking about their life journey. And so they're sitting around one evening and they're discussing their lives with each other, and the first one says, well... My name's Tramping Boot. I spend a good part of my life on the shelf in the garage, but occasionally I get taken out. And we go on this hike up this hill. We go through rivers and, and, and we go through the, the forest and I hear and see these birds that are, that are in the trees there and we get up real high and this is cold stuff they call snow and it, it's, it, it's, it's not easy going sometimes but when we get to the top we see this magnificent view and I tell you what, my life, even though I spend some time in the garage on the shelf, when we get up there it's fantastic. And then the, 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 my owner, he... He lights a fire and takes me off because I'm a bit wet by this stage and he, and he puts me beside the fire and I, and I warm up and get dried out. I like that. And the next pair of shoes introduces himself and said, well, my name's Football Boot. And I sometimes sit on the shelf too, but every week I get taken off the shelf and put on and I go to this big arena and there's lots of people in the stands and they're yelling and they're shouting and they're screaming. And, and occasionally I, I see this white ball in front of me and all of a sudden I make contact with it and it hurts for a moment, but then it goes over between two sticks and all the people in the audience the start yelling and shouting and, and I feel so special because they're shouting and they're yelling at me. I've done such a good job. I like my job as a football boot. I like being a football boot. And then the next one comes and says, well, I'm a, I'm a ballet shoe. My name is Ballet Shoe. And... I make the person who wears me look really good. And she, she, she makes a good job. She, she walks so lightly. She dances so neatly. And occasionally when, when she is dancing with me, she, she throws the leg up in the air and I can see myself in the mirror on the side wall and I look so cool. I really do. I love my life as a, as a ballet shoe. And then the next one. My name is Stiletto, at which point football says, hi, heel. (laughs) 
and football gets the same response as you just gave me. Okay. And I, I get warned by my owner because I, she wants to look good, you know, and she wants to look glamorous, and she does, but it's a tricky kind of a walk she has to do. And, you know, sometimes I play games with her because, you know, I just have to move a little bit sideways and she falls over and then she looks real funny, you know. And then people either laugh at her or they come and help. So I have a bit of fun as a stiletto. And then the next person, the next shoe comes to his turn and he says, my name is Slipper. And, you know, it's, I've been listening to what you shoes have been talking about your life, and it sounds so good, it sounds so exciting, but my life is a drag because I go from the TV to the fridge <laughs> to the bathroom and then to the bedroom. I'm on carpet all the time. But, you know, one day, one day my owner took me outside and I felt this hard stuff under my soul, and I think they call it a driveway. And we actually walked down to a box at the end and he got some stuff out of the box. But when we were there, I looked down the street and there were some four-legged animals down there. And then I could see in the distance some things on wheels and then there were some trees in the background and mountains as well. I so much wanted to go further, so much. But then he took me inside again and plonked me up on the coffee table and I was watching the TV. That's my life. You know, if... Our spiritual shoes. If my spiritual shoes could talk, what sort of story would they tell? If your spiritual shoes could reflect on your life or on their life, what sort of story could they tell? So I've got some ideas on that, and I want us to just look at a five ingredients well, five components, and if Tim, you can put this slide up, five components that if we, we work them, if we nurture them and develop them into our lives, will help our spiritual shoes be everything that they're supposed to be. Okay. That first one, the first component is spiritual gifts. So if you're writing this down, it's spiritual gifts. Okay. What is the spiritual gift that God has given you? And I know that Jesse, uh, they did some workshops on this a few weeks ago on spiritual gifts. But what is the gift that God has given you? Can you talk about your faith? Do you find that a bit difficult? Or do you, would you prefer to serve and, and, and to do other things? Do you have a gift of mercy where you can love others, perhaps on a dimension and on a level that a lot of other people can't love? Visit in hospitals and, and give you time on, on, a, on a dimension that others find difficult. Maybe you've got the gift of encouragement and you can encourage others like others can't. Or maybe you've got the gift of being able to, to see things that are not naturally visible about other people and you have a prophetic gift or a gift of, of, a, of the word of knowledge. I encourage you to, to work with the gift that you are comfortable with, that fits you, that God has given you. Do you know what it's like to sit in a shoe shop and, and then you've noticed a really nice pair of shoes and the attendant's trying to shoehorn these shoes onto you because they look good but they don't fit well? You know what that's like? And we need to, wish, we need to have a gift and develop our gift that, that fits us well. Paul says to Timothy, stir up the gift that is within you. In other words, develop it, nurture it, 
God's given you a gift, but if you don't know what it is, try it and work it through. Develop the gifts. And so first part of the shoes that we need to need to develop is a spiritual gift. The second is our heart. What are we, what are we passionate about? What captures our heart? What, what breaks our heart? What is there... Uh, what is there about our experiences in the past that have radically changed us and caused us to to have a passion about something we never had before? Just looking at Bruce Lay down there, Bruce has a, a real passion for overseas mission, and God's touched his heart with that. He carries that. He's passionate about it. What breaks your heart? What? You know, Claire, where are you, Claire? Claire, great to have you here. And Claire, we know that your heart has been broken by the needs of the people that you minister to, you know, and that's awesome. But what, what captures your heart? What, I was actually walking down Main Street up a heart a couple of weeks ago on a Saturday morning and down beside the Westpac Bank and then I noticed a young family, guy, his wife and two kids, the, the, wife was, the mother was holding on to the, the two children, one in each hand, the father looks around to the boys, about seven years of age, and said, I don't know what preempted this, but he said, I'm just about to effing slap you across the face. And I stopped in my tracks. The family walked across the road, the dad first, the mother with the two children following. As they got across the road, the mother looked around. She knew that I'd stopped. And her eyes still, the look in her eyes still haunt me. The look that says, this is my lot. This is my life. And that broke my heart, you know. What breaks your heart? What makes you angry? What makes you angry? Do you still, are you still kind of self-centered and get angry because someone cuts you off at the roundabout? Or someone pushes their trolley in front of yours at Pack and Save? Does that make you angry? Or do you get angry because a 14-year-old kid has, has killed himself by inhaling the wrong substance? Or do you get angry because some young couple haven't been able to deal with their life issues enough and they've, got, they've, got, they've lost it and, and fatally injured their child? Or do you get angry because an older person who has contributed so much to this society is, is kind of left in, to be alone and live a life where it's kind of degrading and... and does that make you angry? What captures your heart? What breaks your heart? That's the second, the second component of having shoes that, that will speed us on as we carry the gospel of peace with God. Others. We need to work with others. Jesus sent his disciples out in twos for a reason. We don't work like this alone. This is not a lone range of material. Who mentors you? Who do you walk with? Who shares the same passion and the same love for this sort of thing as, the, as you do? Who coaches you? Who do you coach? We're meant to be working together. And E, the experiences of life. Now, we've all had life experiences that shape us. In fact, I've had a, I've had a car accident about 28 years ago that has deformed my foot to the point, my right foot to the point that my right shoe, my right shoes, no matter what they are, are always misshaped. So my shoes have become become deformed, if you like, become shaped to the to to to, this, to what goes inside them. You know, and I've also been through some stuff in life, as you also have. 
that shapes you as a person. The experiences in life shape us to the point that we can walk places and go places where others can't. Sharing our experiences enabling us to bring the peace of God in such a way to other people that, that maybe some others of us can't do. Experiences of life. I've got a friend who, as a teenager, went to Manila and he spent some time in the rubbish dump there and he says that that experience for a month radically changed his life and he was never the same afterwards. The experiences of life enable us and equip us to wear the shoes of the gospel of peace. What about the skills that you have? And we all have different skills, don't we? Skills we can be good at. Maybe you're good at finance and so maybe you could give budget advice to someone. Perhaps you're you are good at carpentry skills or fixing things, and we see the guys in the men's shed. Who's, who's actually benefited here from some of the work that's gone on in the men's shed? Car fixed, um, bikes fixed. I know Ann Coglin's had some stuff done. Neil's had some stuff done. Yep, good sound. So the practical skills of, of the mechanic or the mechanically minded or the carpenter or whatever can actually work this way as well as we serve others. Skills of maybe you're good at maths, and you could do some after-school tuition with some kids, or you're a great cook and you bake and that sort of thing. And those sort of skills God wants to use as we wear the shoes of the gospel of peace. I trust that as we, as we are enabled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, that the gifts that God has given us, the life experiences we have, the people we walk with, and what we have inside us, what God has done with our, in terms of captivating our hearts, will enable us to engage people on a level that would bring radical change to their lives and begin to change the world where God has placed us. Change our world today, but also our world in the future. Just before we head back to Sarah... Just a final thing about shoes. Shoes will always leave an imprint. They will leave a mark, won't they? If I'm outside in the garden and I come into the house with dirty shoes, they will leave a mark on the carpet. Viv will get really angry, she'll hit me, and it'll leave a mark on the side of my face. (laughs) But shoes will always leave a mark. We hear a lot about the carbon footprint that we leave, don't we? We hear a lot about where where you can, where it can be quantified, it can be gauged how much, a how much effect or impact a nation or an individual or an industry, how much impact that has on the environment. But I want to suggest that our spiritual shoes leave an impact as well. They leave a mark for our life and for the generations to come. And secondly. The mark that we leave is unique to us. No one else leaves a mark like you do. Spiritual gifts that I have are different than the spiritual gifts that you have. The skills that you have are different to mine. What I carry in my heart is different to yours. You will leave an imprint. You will leave a a mark. You will leave an impression just as, you know, even they do that in forensics where they take a, a plaster cast of a footprint to try and 
you know, discern who the, who the criminal is. Who, you know, the, the mark that we leave is our spiritual footprint is unique. It's distinctive to you. And I often, well, not often, but sometimes I hear that, that kind of response that, ah, oh, it's okay, someone else will do it. Well, someone else can do what they can do, but no one else can do what you can do. No one else can leave the same mark that you will leave. And that's a challenge to me to be everything that God wants, to be, wants me to be. As I wear the shoes, as I, as I pray every morning, I was talking to Bruce about this the other day, I pray every morning that, God, wherever I walk today, the impression that I leave would be a good impression. The mark that I leave for your kingdom, the gospel that I carry, in whatever way I express that, in words, in deed, in just the way that I am as a person, that it will leave a good mark, a distinctive mark that I only can leave. Is that right? Cool. Sarah. Sarah's been painting with the right tools and the right equipment there. And what have, what have you got for us, Sarah? Oh, you're still doing it. Do you want a hand? Wow. Isn't that awesome? Are you selling that today, Sarah? <laughs> Give her a hand. Isn't that good? The difference, and, and of course we know the difference from last week where there was kind of a, an attempt, but it, it didn't really come off, did it, as a, as a creative piece of art. Not really, eh? But with the right tools and having the right, putting, discarding the clothing that was unnecessary, the beautiful piece of art that we can create. Thank you, Sarah. Bruce, for you. Thank you. Well, to be honest, rather than get up and cheer, I would rather have sat there and meditated on so much of what Trevor shared. Um, that was fantastic, Trevor, and I think it does a wonderful um, summary of where we will go. So I'll try and not undo anything, but just build a little bit out of that. My shoes have, for the last two weeks, been in Asia and found that it's been, it's very, very hot. So if you're complaining about the cold weather here in December right now, God put that on just for me. So I'm sorry about that, but I'm enjoying it. Uh, let me tell you a little story. There was a merchant back in the days when most people walked everywhere. There were no cars. And the merchant had just sold all his goods and had a bag full of gold. So he's walking for about three days' journey back to his village. And as he's walking on the first day, a robber comes along beside him and the robber realizes that physically he couldn't overpower this guy, so he's going to have to be a little more subtle. So he says to the merchant, hey, these are fairly dangerous areas to be on, their own, on our own. What about you and I team up and walk together? And the merchant says, yeah, yeah, fine. So <clears throat> every night they would stay in a little place overnight, and whenever the merchant left the room, the robber would start going through all his clothes and his sack and whatever they're carrying, looking for this gold, and he could never find it. So on the final day, so they've had three nights, and on the final day they're, they're walking into the village, 
where the uh, merchant lives. And so the robber's lost all his opportunity, and so the merchant turns to the robber and he said, you're after my gold, weren't you? And the robber said, well, yeah, actually I was. And every time you left the room, I looked everywhere for it, and I just couldn't find it. And the merchant said to him, well, it's closer to you than you think. Because every night before I left the room, I put it under your pillow. (laughs) And so that's the one place where the robber never looked. He's not going to look under his own pillow. And... The point that I want to make, see, Trevor's story is very impacting about the young family or the the couple or the young family crossing the road and the comments the dad made to the child. And, And it's compelling that the kingdom of God and our inheritance, which I talked about when we were talking out of the book of Ephesians, is closer to us than we think. Jesus said it is hidden but it is amongst us. And furthermore, it is within us. But because it's hidden, we have to discover it in our walk with Christ and in our everyday life, and we have to release it from us for it to get out into the world and make a difference because that family needs help. They don't need to be assigned to a lifetime journey of that, and of course so many are. And we are the answer for it. In Romans 8, 19 to 22, it talks about that creation is waiting anxiously. It is longing for the sons of God, that's you and I, to rise up and begin to make a difference and release this world from its oppression of sin. Release this world from the sort of things that that family and many others are experiencing. So the the creation will be set free from the slavery it's under. And it says the whole of creation groans and suffers the pains of childhood, childbirth together until now. Why did Paul say until now? Because now things have changed. Now there is a hope in the world. And sure, the hope's the Holy Spirit. But the hope for the world is the Holy Spirit who lives in you and I getting out amongst the people, amongst the creation, amongst society, everywhere in our lives. One of the things I talked about is I think most of us understand what it means to get an inheritance. And we do. Um, But... I'm not so sure as many people understand what it is to be an inheritance. And we are the inheritance of this world. We inherit this world, and we're meant to be permeating that now. And one of the things that I talked about that I just want to bring again this morning, our primary concern is not to be problem solvers, although there's problems everywhere that, The Holy Spirit in us is very good at solving. But our primary calling is to be creators of something new, something different that calls people to life. So when we have a look at the shoes that are up there and at the uh, painting and the work that Sarah has done, there is a creativity there that's an expression of God that goes forth with power. 
It can't help it. See, God is first and foremost a creator. And we are made in his image. So he has called us onto this planet in this time, in this place, to create something. The something's called life. It's new life. It's resurrection life where we're not threatening to slap our kids and knock them down, but we're calling them up to their divine design in Christ to affect this planet and to touch it. See, the world needs to see new ways of doing marriage and family. They need to see new ways of parenting, new ways of working and running a business, new ways of being an employee and the attitude we bring into the workplace and the light we bring into the workplace just as they communicate and relate to us. They need to see us build something, to make something, to establish something. And this is what we're called to do, but it's more than that. It's what we're empowered to do. And as we do these things, this is what we need to hear. The power of God flows through us, and the whole of the creation rises up and cooperates with the expression of God's design. I want you to hear that and and hear what this is. So, if we model family using Trevor's example, the way we model family, the whole order of the world around us begins to line itself up as the power of God flows because it calls to creation. It calls to the neighbors. It calls to the people in our workplace. It calls to the people around us and says, there's some new life here and creation will become redeemed as a result of it. Here's your new life. If you walk into a shop and you see all the goods laid out in front of you and maybe some money that hasn't been put in the till till, and there's nobody around, the owners had to run out the back to do something. If you walk into that shop and you have absolutely no desire to steal anything, that area in your life is fully redeemed. It's fully redeemed. Now, there is a power in that because rather than trying to resist the temptation of grabbing something, you're looking for creative ways to express the life of Christ. And the whole of creation lines up with that because that's its design. And only you and I carry that DNA. Only those people who are in Christ carry that DNA. We are not just the solutions to the world's problems. We're creative people. We can go out and create a whole new way of life. And God will empower us to do that. And the creation will say, oh, yay, this is how I'm meant to be treated here. And it will respond immediately to us. And change takes place. It's a hidden thing, but it's right amongst us. It's right within us. It's under our pillow as we sleep. It's been put there by God. It can't be stolen by a robber. Everything that God's invested in you cannot be changed unless you allow it to be. Remember I said we are under the process of transformation. We own our face by the time we're 40. 
so we can make the call whether we're going to be transformed from one degree of glory to another or whether we're going to be robbed of the gold of the inheritance that God not only has given us but what God has called us to be. This is what Jesus meant by the Great Commission. We are called to go out into the world and bring redemption as far as the curse is found, but we can take it further than just that. We can produce an expression of the life to come right in the here and now, and that's what we're called to do. And in that sense, in Christ, we are the world's only hope. So let us take that as far as God leads us. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Trevor. You can come back and finish off where you started. <laughs> right. Thanks, Bruce. Mm. The real tragedy of life is not the sins we commit, but the life we fail to live. Think about that. The real tragedy of life is not the sins we commit, but the life we fail to live. I will continue to, be a, to commit and to do things and to sin till I die. I'll continue to ask forgiveness, to seek God's mercy, and to be all I need to be. But I mustn't let my humanity stop me living the life that God has called me to live. Right? Now, all of us here know what it's like to fail. We make mistakes. We look back on the last year and the stuff in our life that we'd rather forget. Don't let that hinder us, stopping us, living the life that we've been called to live. I trust that Today, as we wrap up the year, has been a good day and as we've just reflected a little bit on life and what I'd, what I'd like to do, just as we close off, I'm thinking on my feet here, you can tell that, can't you? That's okay, though. I've got thinking shoes on. I want to read, I'm going to ask you to respond to something in a moment. I'm just going to read a passage. I know we're in the presence of God. Bruce, cool. Psalm says this. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Another version says this. On your feet now. Come on, on your feet. On your feet. On your feet. On your feet. Applaud God. Come on, applaud God. Bring, says bring a gift Bring a gift of laughter. Can you do that? Bring a gift of laughter. That's gladness. Sing yourselves into his presence. Well, we've done that this morning. We've sung ourselves into his presence. Then it says this. Enter with the password, thank you. Enter with the password, thank you. I know that we're finishing this morning, but we go from here still in his presence. Enter with the password, thank you. Look, everything that I have of value is entered by the use of a password. My bank account, and if, if I have an alarm at home, correct, we have a, a pin code, a password to enter the home. Everything I have 
is entered with a password. When I was a kid, my mates and I had a fort, and there was a password to get into the fort. One of our, one of our friends, we were inside one day, and we decided we'd change the password, and our good mate was outside, and he didn't know the password. He didn't get in, but the password is, enter his presence. And the password is, thank you. Thank you. Can we just have a few of us as we close off this morning? Just in one or two sentences, just shout, uh, just express your thanks for whatever, for whatever right now you sense God is and has been to your life. Let's just have a few of you. Can we do that? Just as we close off. Thank you, Lord, that we can cast our burdens upon you. And when we do so with a thankful heart, you give us the peace that passes all understanding. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we are your inheritance. Thank you that you've bought us with a price. You've paid for us with the death of your son and we... We stand in resurrection life and enjoying all the favour of heaven because of your love for us. We thank you for that. And we pray that today, as we put on the shoes of the gospel of peace, as we wear them into our daily lives this coming week, you will help us, Lord, to, to, to carry the gospel of peace in such a way that would bring change to our culture, change to our world, the people that we meet the, the institutions that we gather in would be different because of our presence. And we pray that we would see that effect, that impact, that imprint that our shoes make, not only this week, but in the years to come as well. Thank you for what you're doing with us and what you're doing through us. In Jesus' precious name, bless us and we just thank you for each other as well. Look after us until we meet again. Amen. Amen. Amen.